everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. guys. Thanks for joining us today in the house and online. My name is Amos. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And before we get started, just a couple of quick things to make sure you know about. The first is that this is uh, today our last outside service, and so we're moving all online and indoor. So we're going to move the time back just a notch to 10 a.m. since we're back to one service, and RSVPs will still be required for the indoor service. The other thing is, um, with Thanksgiving coming, it's this week, guys. It's a few days away. Um, I thought it would be appropriate, especially with kind of the state of the world, and I know some of you who wished you could be with family maybe won't be able to be. We're going to do a Thanksgiving Day service. We'll be taking communion together. Kids are welcome, depending on the numbers and how many kids and how many people. There might be a time where we split up into smaller groups. But uh, we're, we're going to do that thing that you always do if you're at Thanksgiving dinner. So think about what you're going to be grateful for ahead of time so you don't have to be put on the spot. We'll do a, a short time of sharing, but the whole thing won't be super long. Uh, certainly the communion time will be uh, compact. So we'd love to see you at 10 a.m. on Thursday. Uh, So last week, as we were talking about the currency of the kingdom, right, which is friendship, I I made a mistake. I misappropriated, attributed. I I, I said that Dolly Parton sang this song, but it turns out that it's really Janis Joplin. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. And uh, I have have a fact checker who will send me texts during the service or after the service when I do things like this, and apparently it was creating a little bit of conversation on YouTube, uh, whatever you call that, the, the comment section. Um, and, and, and so my fact checker, I, fact checker says, I, I don't know if Dolly Parton covered it. Thanks for giving me the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but it was Janis Joplin. I said, yeah, but it really sounds like Dolly Parton. And he says, yeah, if, Jan, if Dolly Parton had just smoked a pack of Marlboro Reds, she did. <laughs> But anyway, I'm going to actually uh, make up for it today by quoting some Dolly Parton from her new book. She says, as a songwriter and as a person, I have to leave myself wide open. I suffer a lot because I am open so much. I hurt a lot. And when I hurt, I hurt all over because I cannot harden my heart to protect myself. I always say uh, that I strengthen the muscles around my heart, but I cannot harden it. And then uh, in commenting on this in an interview, man, 40 years really changes a person, doesn't it? Maybe 50, I'm not sure. Does anyone know how old Dolly Parton is? I do not. You can't just shut these doors. She's talking about your heart because you want to or prefer to. That's not how you're going to become a quality human being who is going to be able to serve humanity in the best ways you can. I know how to stand sturdy. That doesn't mean I have to harden my heart. That's Dolly Parton. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning. We need you. We ask that you would fill us with that spirit that makes us know that you're here. 
that gives us strength and provides us wisdom, that gives us a foundation um, from which to open up our hearts to others, but also to you. So God, we open up our hearts to you this morning. Uh, We want to be receptive to your word. Come, Jesus. Amen. This is actually the last talk in our love series. And we're concluding this talk from Matthew 5 to 7 uh, with Jesus' closing words. And we've, man, we've come a long ways. It's kind of sad to, uh, to be landing this plane. Uh, you remember it started with Jesus' words, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. And he goes on to say, you are the salt of the earth. And uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And he says things that are, are pretty um, reorienting for us if we take him seriously. He says, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister or sister will be subject. Or you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Uh, He talks about the importance of integrity. He talks about uh, maybe most revolutionary of all, how to love your enemies, even though the current in our world and in our heart is to hate them, to do good to those who curse you and bless them. Um, He talks about prayer and he talks about money and he talks about worry, which we, talked, which we talked about in our love is greater than fear. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged and ask, seek, and knock. And, uh, and here, as he concludes, there's a big therefore in Matthew 6, verse, or 7, verse 24. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, and this word um, is actually a word about fruitfulness, like doesn't let the kingdom produce fruit in their lives, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him, and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, uh, if you desire, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. I want to. I desire it. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. I'm going to talk to you today about um, the foundation, about the storm, and about the houses that we're building. And I want to start by saying that storms are completely normal. Uh, No one is exempt from storms. The houses that are built here 
uh, could have been identical. They, they suffer the same storm. And last week we talked about how important it is to have rhythms of friendship with God and with others to survive and thrive and maybe even deepen those friendships throughout what I'll just call the COVID winter. Um, but this is not actually the worst thing that has happened to the world. And it's probably not if you've lived very long. Uh, the idea of wearing masks and going into quarantine potentially, or, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, it's, it's, if you've lived for very long, it's probably not the worst thing that's happened to you. If you've lost a spouse or a child or gone through a divorce, either personally or maybe it was your parents, uh, if you've stared down the ugly face of cancer, as you live your life, because you are human, you will face storms. And the thing that matters most is not the circumstances, because as I said, the circumstances are the same for both of these houses. The thing that matters most is the foundation. What you build your life on really, really, really matters. The thing that you hold on to when the storms come is what's going to make all the difference. And this winter, this winter, you will see people crash. You will see people fall apart. And when someone has a foundation that is sand, you can be sure that very quickly it's going to uh, turn into blame. And, you know, anger is okay. It's okay to be angry, but like a different kind of anger that's, that's d very directive or, 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 or fierce or harsh. As the houses begin to fall, you're going to see the kind of despair that comes when the foundation that you thought was going to give you meaning and purpose and fulfillment is suddenly gone. And so Jesus, at the end of this sermon, cuts to the heart of things. He says, if you want to have a house, have a life that can stand up to any storm, you need to consider the foundation of your life. And Jesus is inviting us to make his kingdom that foundation. It is a foundation that cannot be shaken, that cannot be moved, that whatever the circumstances of 2020 or of 2021 will be, he will be there and he will be strong and he will be firm. Foundations really matter because storms are completely normal. He says, build your life on my kingdom. And the most important thing about any kingdom is its king. And we believe as people who follow Jesus and we proclaim and we base our lives on his kingship. There's another uh, place in the Bible that talks about the 
unshakable foundation that is his kingdom. And this is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, where the writer of Hebrews says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Kingdom life, in other words, is motivated by gratitude and by worship. It is, in a sense, maybe perhaps attached to that rock with gratitude and with uh, worship. And it doesn't immediately kind of present itself why the writer of Hebrews says, since we have, right, a foundation that cannot be shaken, his kingdom, then that leads us to gratitude and to worship. But I, I think it makes sense. And in fact, um, the tradition I came from, and really the tradition that most of us come from, uh, if you are Protestant, which the vineyard kind of historically falls in that Protestant stream, uh, goes back to the time of the Reformation. And early on, as they were reading their Bibles, they, they wanted to uh, communicate truth in way that would shape people into being like Jesus, into rooting their foundation like Jesus. And so they wrote what back then they called catechisms, what we might just call discipleship tools. And they, they often wrote these catechisms for children, but then it turns out that the adults uh, really like them better than the stuff that's getting getting written for adults. I don't know if you if there's anybody out there who loves Disney stuff, you understand maybe why that is the case. Um, but uh, it, the the very first question is, uh, where is my only comfort in life and is and in death? The Heidelberg Catechism uh, is always in a question and answer format, and the answer to that question, where is my only comfort, is that it is that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior. Jesus. And then later on in that catechism, there's actually the question, like, why should we bother doing good since, you guys know this, right? Since we are saved by grace and don't earn our salvation, why should we bother? And the whole force of what they would have called Christian living, of doing good works, comes from gratitude. Why should we live a good life? Why should we lean into the kingdom? Because we are grateful. And I think that takes gratitude to like a different level uh, than, than I normally think about it. Because usually when we think of living a life of gratitude, it means living a life of saying thank you a lot, which is actually really, really a good thing, right? Like how many times did you say thank you this week? Think about it. How many times did you express appreciation this week? to God and or to others. I hope it's more than once a day. How would your life change if you started saying thank you 10 times a day? What would that do for other people? In what ways would you be a gift to other people? But also, how would your heart shift if you started saying thank you 10 times a day? Well, I know I've actually started this practice uh, through a discipleship process that uh, is called faith walking, which some of you will be taking here in a few weeks in December. 
Uh, if you want to hear more about that, you could reach out to me by email. But I started actually putting a reminder, you guys know me and reminders, uh, in my phone to just be grateful. And what it does in my heart is it makes me way less self-reliant, way less self-centered, uh, and makes me realize that, man, I don't have it together as much as I thought I did, right? Like it, it makes me realize my dependence on God and on others when I take a moment and not just surface level Thanksgiving, but like where, where am I really grateful? How am I grateful to my wife, Allison? How am I grateful to my church family? How am I grateful to God for his gifts? Can we just take a minute and let that sink in? That breath you just took? was a gift. Let's be thankful for it. But what if it's not just saying thank you, but a motivation for all of life? What if gratitude becomes the motivating factor for all of the good you do in life? Think about how that would change. And think about how gratitude and worship work together. How important is it that you have rhythms of worship to keep you connected to the foundation that is Jesus and his kingdom? Invite gratitude into the driver's seat. This is what a kingdom life looks like. It helps root you into the foundation of Jesus and his kingdom. And finally, a kingdom life is open-hearted to the suffering of others. As soon as Jesus finishes his Sermon on the Mount, he goes down and puts his kingdom into practice. And you see that it is not simply about healing the sick, but it is about a desire of his heart. Let me read it again. When Jesus comes down from the mountain, large crowds follow him, and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. I want to. This is about a response of the heart to this man's condition. And it says that he was immediately cleaned or cleansed of his leprosy. And, and some of you know this. Um, we don't encounter leprosy uh, in our context, like in the Western world, it still exists in some places um, where there's not as much access to medicine or hygiene and, and some of the other things that go along with kind of, uh, well, things, things for us to be grateful for, right? But in this time and place, if you had leprosy, you had faced rejection, isolation, loneliness, in addition to your severe physical pain. No one had touched you since your diagnosis. It may have been years for this man. It may have been decades since he had been, uh, since he had received human touch. And so Jesus, in all the ways that he could have healed the man, right? You see people in the Bible being healed of leprosy by like washing themselves in mud or simply by like, you know, you can make, you can command and it's so, right? And the leprosy has gone. Jesus chooses to reach out and touch the man. And 
that is one of the things, right, that has been limited, not totally taken away for us uh, in this season of COVID. And so how much more important is us? Is it for us to make sure that we humanize the people around us, that we give them, if not a physical touch, a human touch? The kingdom life is a life that keeps a heart open to the suffering and the pain and the misery of others. Can we put up that first Dolly Parton quote again? You can get it. Young Dolly Parton, there we go. As a songwriter and as a person, I have to leave myself wide open. I suffer a lot because I am open so much. I hurt a lot. And when I hurt, I hurt all over because I cannot harden my heart to protect myself. It's really a choice. I choose not to harden my heart to protect myself. I always say that I strengthen the muscles around my heart. In other words, she has a foundation that cannot be shaken, but I cannot harden my heart. This is a kingdom life because this is how Jesus is. He refuses to harden his heart. His heart is open to your suffering. His heart is open to your pain. Uh, he weeps with you. He understands what rejection and loneliness and being misunderstood is like. He understands the depth of human pain and of isolation. As he hangs on the cross, he experiences not just the pain of the cross, but the shame of the cross. He chooses to keep his heart open and so reaches out and touches us and makes us clean. He forgives us of our sins. He humanizes us and he sends his heart out to us. The worship team is going to come forward and sing, but I, I think maybe what we'll do first is uh, if you guys in the room would stand and if you guys on the stream would just uh, maybe even open up your hands in a receptive posture and say, with me in your heart, come Holy Spirit. In the storm, we say, come Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts. If we have built up walls or created distance because of storms in our life, we ask that you would come and break down those walls and heal the pain. Transform it that we might be able to walk alongside others. We have the foundation we need, Jesus. You are the foundation that we need to weather any storm, and we are so thankful. Come, Holy Spirit.
Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.